0: When you're talking to an expired and you want to get an appointment with them, give us a couple of pointers on what an agent should be doing, thinking about or saying.
1: Well, uh, number one, you know, they, they 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 always think that it was the market uh, or somebody else's fault why their home didn't sell. Uh, and that's usually because their agent is brainwashing, their previous agent is brainwashing them to believe that. So you have to, without putting the other agent down, you basically have to get them to be of the opinion that it truly is the individual agent's activities that get a home sold and not the market. So that way they're more open to hearing what you have to say, you know, to get your foot in the door. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.
0: Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Jeff Glover with Keller Williams in Detroit, Michigan. Welcome to the call, Jeff.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on, Mike.
0: Hey, Jeff. It's great to have you here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Uh, Now, before we talk about what you're doing today, though, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate.
1: Okay. So, um, I was in high school, (laughs) Uh, but I was still selling. Uh, I was actually um, selling furniture for a local furniture chain. Um, And before that, I was actually selling uh, consumer electronics for Circuit City. So um I was actually uh one of the top two or three in the state of Michigan and top top two hundred in the whole country as a junior in high school and, um, <laughs> wow, so yep, so from there uh I went on to sell furniture because the really I actually wanted to go sell cars because that was like the most expensive thing you could sell and um i none of the car dealerships would hire me because um you know, they're all full time, you know, they're not gonna hire a kid from high school. So I went and and, and found a furniture chain, um, you know, nearby, and and I sold furniture my senior year. And then the first, uh, you know, two or three years after that, while I was just starting in the real estate business. Wow. Wow. So you knew that you had an aptitude for sales early on. How early did you start selling things? So, uh, you know, the earliest you can get employed in the state of Michigan is, 15 years old, like 15 years and three months or something like that. So as soon as I, as soon as I was able to work, I got a job at Circus city and I thought I was signing up just to kind of be a cashier or whatever. And I didn't know that they were going to put me through a whole sales training and I had no idea even that they were on commission when I went to the store, you know, uh, back then, you know, all my friends were making eight, nine bucks an hour and that was like a big deal. So I had no idea what I was, what I was getting into until I got there and essentially, you know, learn that it was, uh, commission based and that you can make a lot of money in it. Well, it sounds
0: like you had a really fast start there and, but you decided to move into real estate. What made you move out of the, say the the consumer electronics, then the furniture? Why did you gravitate towards real estate?
1: Well, because there was a gentleman in the store, his name was Otis Raley and he was in the real estate business. And he said, kid, you know, as soon as you turn 18, you need to go get your real estate license because it's obvious you can sell. And at the time I was number two or number three in the store also there and was still in high school. And, um, as soon as I turned 18, I, I just figured, Hey, what's the most expensive thing you can sell? I enjoy selling. I was, I was doing a good, you know, a good amount of sales. And I think I made my senior year of high school, I was making like 60 grand, 65 grand. So, um, you know, I, and that was only on like 18 or 19 hours a week because there's a limit of how many hours you can work. So um, I just, as soon as I turned 18, went and got my license based on someone's advice in the store.
0: <laughs> That's great. Let's talk about that first year in real estate. What happened? Did you have a fast start, slow start?
1: So um, I started a couple, I, I actually say fast and slow, and I'll explain. I, my first day on the job with the real estate license was call it June of 2003. And my first closing was January of 04. So for some people, uh, six months without a, without a paycheck is a pretty big deal and they can't stomach that. Uh, now I was still selling furniture kind of on the side, even though I did make real estate my full-time thing. When I say full-time, I would work in real estate from say 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning until five, six at night. And then I would go sell furniture from six thirty to 10 PM. Cause the furniture stores are usually busy, you know, after people are off work. So I would do that whenever I didn't have appointments. And, um, I started off slow in terms of my first closing wasn't for six months, but I, I, I remember, um, it was sometime around August or September. I attended a, a half day session. It was actually a Floyd Wickman session and I signed up for their, what, what they now—I don't know if it still is in existence today—but it, it it's famously known as Sweat Hogs, and then they call it the Smart Program. It was it had just went over it it had just went from Sweat Hogs to the Smart Program, and um, I had signed up for that, and that was like a six-week thing, you know, where every Monday I had to drive a half hour or an hour and show up to this class and so forth. And my first month of doing that, I took ten listings, and uh, it was really because you know somebody just finally handed me a book of scripts and said, here kid, follow these and you'll be just fine. So here I was going to regular real estate company training, learning how to do open houses and contracts and all this. And it wasn't until I got my hands on this book of scripts um, to where I finally took off. And the, the first month I had my hands on those scripts, I took 10 listings. So Taking ten listings in a month within three or four months of getting into business, I would say, is a fast start. But again, from the time I started to the f- time I got my first closing check, was not a fast start. Sure. So you took a, a
0: ten listings there in September or so, so a couple months yep. in, and then it took a little while to get them under contract, and then yep. by six months in, you start to have those that fruit start yeah. to come back of oh, the, yeah. the trees that you planted. Yep. And. Uh, it sounds like you went right at listings right off the bat at an early age. How old were you then? Were you still 18, 19 years I was, old?
1: I had just turned 19. <laughs>
0: 19.
1: 19, living in an apartment, uh, no experience selling real estate, obviously. And um, I went, I went for listings because in this half-day seminar, again, when you're new, you're like a sponge, right? In this half-day seminar, they just basically talked about all the benefits of being a strong listing agent. And how that you know is better for you later in life, and gives you more time back and more income, and you know this whole idea of controlling the inventory, um, you know, seemed appealing to me. First,
0: a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, Real Estate Agent Lead
1: Generation Television.
0: Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close seventy-four referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's free referralscript.com. Now back to the show. Let's talk about what happened next. So, the, the next full year, that January through December, what kind of things happened in your real estate career?
1: Yeah. So, January of 04 through December of, of 31 of 04. Well, to put it in perspective, you know, I went from, from a, a $750 a month apartment to on December 23rd. Third, two 2004, after one full year, um, was closing on a $340,000 house. <laughs> so, um, you know, or 430. It was, you know, somewhere mid mid threes, low fours. Uh, so I had a pretty good year. Uh, my first year, I sold 31 or 32 homes. Um, my GCI was about 150000 And, you know, back then, there wasn't a lot of lead sources and, and online leads that you could buy. So, my expenses were just my time and gas and, you know, materials and postage. So, you know, my net was, my net was pretty good that year. And
0: did that all come from prospecting?
1: Yeah. So it was all, it was really three, my big three sources of businesses business was, um, open houses. And that's only because I was, that's what I learned early on. You're supposed to do later in, in life. I realized that that's not the highest and best use of my time. Um, but prospecting expired and and prospecting for sale by owners over the phone and at the door.
0: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you were doing this over the phone and at the door for both the expireds and the
1: Fizbo's. Yeah. I had a very simple rule and that was, you know, uh, somewhere along the lines I was, I had learned or was told or maybe came up with it on my own. I don't remember that. I need to be out on an appointment every single day, or at least just one. And, I had a penalty to myself if I wasn't on an appointment, then I would go door knocking. So basically I had in my schedule, you know, like a block, say from four to six, or maybe it was five to six 30, somewhere in there where I was supposed to be on an appointment. And if I didn't have an appointment to go on as kind of a penalty to myself, because I'd rather be on an appointment than door knock. Um, but that would force me to go door knock if I didn't have an appointment. So that was basically my rule. If I wasn't on an appointment, I was outdoor knocking. Because I was suited up every day and ready for an appointment, right? I, I was mentally, I'm going to go see someone and talk to them about real estate today. That's how I basically approached each day. So if I didn't have an appointment, I felt obligated to still go get in front of people.
0: Wow, That's fantastic. And we're going to come back to some of the things that you've learned to do with these for sale by owners and expired, some scripting and things like that let's keep on the timeline of your story because it gets pretty interesting here so uh, you had a great first full year what happened
1: the second year so the second year I did something that not a lot of people do Um, I took a step back and I got into management Um, I I started you know I started the year as a salesperson and sometime around the spring and maybe it was earlier in the year, but anyway, sometime around the spring, I made the decision to get into real estate office management. I wanted to learn how to recruit. I wanted to learn how to train. I wanted to learn how to retain. Basically, I wanted to learn how to run a real estate company. And part of that was, you know, a lot of my friends were going to college uh, and I had made the decision to stay back and do community college. And a lot of them were going to college for business management. Well, my, my thought process was, why don't I, you know, learn how to run a real estate business and that will be my training instead of going to a four-year university, even though the intention was always to go and finish school. I never actually did finish. Uh, I got up to like an associates, which of course is nothing nowadays. Um, my intention was always to go back to school to to become, uh, a, a, to be equipped to manage a business. And um, I, I did that through, I guess you'd call it the hard way, just you know, I, I got an opportunity to run an office for a local coal banker firm and, um, you know, they took a chance on me when I was 20 years old and, um, you know, built that office up after a couple years and, and that led to some other things, which I'm sure we'll get into.
0: Very nice. So you went into management, you said you were 20, so you're very early 20s. You're now managing an office. Yeah. Um, so I got a couple questions for you before we move on. Uh first of all, you were taking these listings at 19 years old. Now you're managing people at twenty. How did you get people to trust you and follow you at such a young age?
1: So uh two things. Um we were very fortunate because um or I, I guess I was in the right place at the right time. And the reason why I say that is because um I had I had just in somewhere in that middle year of two thousand and four, which was my first full year in the business, I was introduced to another selling system. It was Mike Ferry's selling system, and um, I really liked that one better. Uh, I, I it felt like it fit me more. Whatever it just it just felt I felt more comfortable with that. And so, you know, I started applying applying his principles throughout that year and going into that next year. And when I met with the particular leader, her name was Kathy Schweitzer uh, she had asked me, uh, you know, of course, number one, they were, they were thrilled to have a, a a meeting and recruit, you know, when, when a, when a recruit reaches out to you, that's a big deal in the real estate industry. Right. So they were thrilled to meet with someone that would reach out to them. But when they found out my goal, uh, they were a little skeptical, you know, you're only 20 years old. You're, you know, you just bought a house, you know, I know you had a good first year, but you know, this is, I don't know, Jeff, I can understand by the way, my current broker at the time, they had they had 16 offices around Metro Detroit. I asked for a meeting with that gentleman, and I got the meeting. Uh, but he said I needed more seasoning, which I you know at the time it was kind of like I'll show you. <laughs> but now looking back, by the way, he was right. Um, uh, you know, so so when I met with 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 Kathy, uh, I could tell a the little bit, there was a little bit of skepticism until I said when she asked a question, well, how did you sell 30 some homes your first year? I said, well. I've I've really studied and, and implemented the Floyd Wickman and Mike Ferry system. And her eyes lit up. Well, I didn't know that they had just signed a contract with Mike Ferry to come in and do all the training for their company. So her thought process was: look, this is a perfect example. A brand new agent sold 32 homes in his first year using the system that we just are implemented in our company. I mean, and they just implemented it that January. And I was meeting with her in April or March. Um, and so, you know, basically she said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you our most failing office. And, uh, at the time the, the, the manager of that office had left and started his own brokerage. So there was only maybe six or seven agents left and these were all the agents that really nobody wanted. (laughs) Uh, so they, you know, they, they were left there and, and they said, turn this thing around let's see what you can do. And, uh, two years in a row, I was top recruiter out of the 16 offices and I filled it and turned it around. And then that led me to an opportunity. Uh, the market crashed. They downsized and right-sized a bunch of offices, and I was able to take over the, the director of training and recruiting for the whole company based on what I had done in those two years with them.
0: Wow. Okay, and then so keep us going on that timeline then. So you took over as a director in training for a couple of years. How long yeah, did that so, last? So,
1: yep. So um, so I was a manager of the office from May of '05 is when they announced me. Uh, I was 20 years old, and I was in that role until January of 07. So, uh, was it? yep, so January of 07. And in January of 07, that's when they made all the changes. You know, the market was bad here in Detroit. It wasn't bad around the country yet, but it was really bad here in Detroit. January of 07, they made all those changes, uh, and then I became in charge of the training and recruiting for the offices that they had left because they had, they had went from 16 offices down to, I think it was 9 or 10. We'll just call it 10, keep it simple. Um, and, and I did that from January of 07 to January of 09. So I was two years in that role. And in that role, uh, they allowed me to still sell real estate, um, which was important to me because I wanted to, to, you know, continue being in sales where when I was just managing an office, they didn't really want me to sell. So they figured out a way to allow me to sell some real estate while I was in that role and I would just travel around to the different offices and meet with recruits and 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 hold training classes and basically teach people, you know, how to how to build a business, how I you know how I how I had done it.
0: So you were kind of a consultant. You were looking at it from the consultant side. You were helping all these folks achieve their goals, and in the way you got to watch what they did right and what they did wrong, it was yeah. even a, a way to grow even faster as far as your yeah. knowledge base of what it takes yeah. to be successful in this industry.
1: Helped me. Yeah. There was a lot of, I mean, you know, we had anywhere from brand new agents to agents that have been doing it for 20 years that would show up to my classes. And, um, it was, it was a huge win for me.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So, uh, move
1: us forward through time then. So what happened next? So in, um, January, 2009, uh, there was a lot of changes happening again in the industry. It was getting even worse. Um, I got the, I had the impression it, through, through just kind of word of mouth things I was hearing that our owners, uh, were looking to sell the company. And, uh, I knew that I was ready to get back into sales anyway. So I thought the time was very appropriate for me to, uh, essentially announce my departure and, and start what is known today as Jeff Glover and associates. And, um, you know, Looking back, I can't tell, you know, I can't, I'm so grateful and thankful for everything that I learned from the Schweitzers that they gave me that chance. And I, I still to this day consider Kathy and Paul a mentor, uh, to, of mine. And, um, uh, but what I was looking to accomplish, there's, there's no way they could accommodate it. And what I wanted to do, and in fact, I actually did go to them first, uh, because I was still willing to stay. It was with a cool banker. As I mentioned, uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to create this environment where, Everyone is expected to be in at a certain time. There's no negativity. There's music playing. There's bells ringing when appointments are set. You know, there's no one's no one's complaining around the water cooler because we're not going to have a water cooler. You know, <laughs> like just just I wanted to control the environment, and um, so what I wanted to do was just open up an office on my own right down the street. And the challenge is is that that doesn't that at the time and still probably to this day that didn't fit the coal banker model. Uh, not that I'm poking fun or anything, at Cold maker it just wasn't their model to have an agent go have their own office right down the street, uh, where it did fit. However, the Keller Williams model, and not only did it fit their model, they actually have a policy and, you know, procedures manual on it. It's called the mega agent office. So, you know, when I was meeting with, with different brokerages to decide who I was going to align myself with, it was kind of a no brainer because they had, they had, they had the manual on how to do it. They, they had the manual on, you know, the availability to do what I really ultimately wanted to do and I knew that something was going on at my current company and if I wasn't able to control the environment I felt like it would really stop my growth long term and so I had to make the decision to, to to align myself with another company so that was
0: 2009 well you're about 25 years old or
1: so yes because in 2005 I was 20 so um yeah so 2009 i was 24 25 yeah
0: 24 25 so you went out now did you join a traditional keller william office or did you start in your own space and and create yeah so your- no
1: i rented spa- i went out and got our own space you know I, pro- I probably should say this and this is a big part of the story i guess i forgot to mention um in january of 08 okay so january of 08 to january 09 uh, January 08, I may, I proclaimed that between myself and one other agent, uh, his name was Ryan, we're going to do hundred deals this year and, and I'm still going to do the training and I'm still going to do the recruiting. We're going to get to a hundred deals. And we did 102 deals that year between the hmm. two of us. And I still went out and taught training classes and I still helped the company and the managers with recruiting. Um, so January of 09 is, is yes, I went out and got space and, uh, you know, market rates were so cheap then. I mean, they were just giving away space. Uh, I'm, in, I'm actually in my exact office uh, from that. It's been remodeled now. But, um, you know, yeah, I've been, you know, went out and got space right from the get-go. It wasn't it wasn't like go to KW and work out of their market centers. I was very passionate about recreating a real estate office environment. I, and quite, this is no dig against anyone, even Keller Williams. I, I really think the environments of most, real estate companies are very comparable. And I, I didn't care what, what franchise it was in terms of that piece. Um, I needed to have my own, my own uh, environment.
0: Right, we gotta, we're we're going to come back to that environment. I got to step back. One year back, you said you sold 102 homes with you and yeah. one other agent. Yes. Let's talk about that for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Who was doing what with you? Yeah.
1: And, was it Danny? Uh, his name was Ryan. Oh, I'm Uh, sorry. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan. So he was an inside sales. Well, back then they didn't have the term inside sales associate. He was a telemarketer. And so he, he would stay back and prospect all day long. Uh, you know, he, well, I say all day long, he would prospect mainly from 10 in the morning until eight at night. That was his schedule. And I was responsible for doing the prospecting from eight to 10, but I was also responsible for the administration. I was also responsible for the appointments and everything else. Um, you know, so so he stayed back and did some prospecting and, and did a lot of it um, and and I was the one that would go on appointments and do the administration and so forth. and, and that's right year, in the middle of the
0: the great recession.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, so there was a ton of expired, as you can imagine, uh, and a ton of for sale by owners that were unsuccessful too. So
0: that's who you were prospecting. that's right. And so basically
1: you have one guy prospecting,
0: setting up appointments, setting up the appointments and you were going in, knocking them down, signing them up. Yes. What percentage of your business were sellers at that point
1: versus buyers? Oh gosh, it was 75% sellers. I only did maybe 20, 25 buyer deals.
0: So you were majorly focused on the seller side. uh, And, and then the prospecting.
1: I had to be from the time standpoint, you know, um, I didn't, have, I didn't have an assistant until really the end of 2008, um, uh, you know, so so I had I, I couldn't do buyers. You know, we finally added an assistant, and her role was half of her time was spent showing homes and work with buyers, and half of it was spent, um, you know, doing administration, doing paperwork, but that wasn't really until, like, October or November of 2008. So, you know, for the most part, you know, it was just me and him the whole year. It uh, was incredibly productive
0: and very exciting. So from that, you must have felt you had a strong model that you could take into your new environment when you went out on your own to, to create this new office space. You had a, a plan, a business plan in mind of how you could actually create some production.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, th- and that was because essentially looking around the office and seeing what the productive agents were doing and what the non-productive agents were doing. And I felt that if I could create an environment that was conducive to productivity, it would draw people to it. It would cause people to say, I want to go, go work with that guy or I want to go work in that office. So tell
0: us about that, that next year, 2009-ish, when you went out with the Keller Williams, I think you said the mega agent model, and how did you develop that? Was it a centralized model where you were going to generate all the leads and hand them out? Was it where you were going to bring anybody in who wanted to come in? How did you yeah. create this team?
1: So it was basically an office where um, agents, you know, agents would be attracted by the training and the coaching and the accountability uh, and the structure. So those were kind of like the four pillars, training, coaching, accountability, and structure. And we were looking for agents that wanted that. Uh, you know, we weren't looking for agents that that wanted just to work leads or wanted to have their hand out. Uh, in fact, you know, we didn't buy any leads or anything like that until, you know, we were probably closer to 200 and 250 transactions a year. So you didn't come work f- for us or with us because you wanted leads. You came to work for us because you wanted structure, training, and accountability. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real
0: GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now back to the show. How long did you run under that model? What time amount of time elapsed before you started
1: buying leads from the outside? Uh, I would say two and a half years. Basically, uh, you know, we did 102 deals in '09, or I'm sorry, in 2008. We did 159 deals, or 54, somewhere in there, in 2009. Then we went to 200 in 2010. So, right in 2011, uh, when we were doing about 250 transactions, is when I made my first investment or my first spend in um, um, in advertising, and that was with Zillow. Wow, way back then. Very yep. good. So that that was, by the good. way, our our GCI was just over a million dollars. I waited until our GCI was just over a million before we spent any money. How many and up people until
0: were on the team at was, that point? Uh,
1: so we had maybe eight agents. And everyone was being taught how to prospect, door knock, hold open houses successfully. Everyone was taught how to go out and generate their own business. That is... By the way, still to this day, that that is a big piece of of of, of our business today. Everyone comes in uh, and is taught how to lead generate first before we before they ever go out on an appointment, even if they've been in the business 10, 15 years.
0: So it sounds to me as though everyone in your organization is taught how to be a salesperson uh, in the classic yeah. sense and in the Mike Ferry method of being a salesperson, sure. trained that way. Mm-hmm. And then these leads that come in from Zillow, they're, they're easy. They're cake.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, we, um, and that, and that's the thing. I, I, I give credit to a lot of people. I mean, once obviously spent a few years here with Keller Williams, um, uh, you know, I learned obviously Gary Keller's methods, right? So, you know, I jokingly say the the what what's known as the Jeff Glover sales system today, which we've duplicated and we've put out on DVDs and and it's out there. Uh, it's I say jokingly from the stage, it's like if if Mike Ferry and Gary Keller had a baby. Uh, and I say don't visualize this because it's not a good visualization. <laughs> if the two of them had a baby, that would be me. Um, <laughs> it's really it's really a combination of that. You know, obviously plus sprinkled in with things that I've learned from Floyd early on as well. Uh, very nice. Well, let's do this. Let's fast forward to today and bring everybody up to where you are now. So yeah. uh,
0: last year, how many homes did you and your
1: team sell? Just under 1,000. Uh, I think the number was right around 970, 969, somewhere around there. Wow. Do you recall what the sales volume was?
0: Uh, yeah, right around 200 million. 200 million. Nice yep. job. And uh, do, you, do you know what your average sales price is? It looks like it's just under $200,000. About, about 200000
1: right? Yep, about $200,000. Okay.
0: $210,000, $220,000. Yep. Uh, and my understanding is that you've got about 40% buyers, 60% sellers. that sound about yes, right? Yes,
1: we're still predominantly sellers. About 60% seller business and about 40% buyer business.
0: Very nice. And then over, just for fun, over your career, how many homes do you think you've sold?
1: Oh gosh. Um well I know the I know it's over a billion in real estate uh, cuz we've done 200 million now for the past 3 years and and have been anywhere between 50 million and 150 million for the last seven or eight I guess. So it's over a billion in real estate uh and the number of transactions we just did the math on this the other day, somewhere around seventy five, seventy six hundred 7600
0: homes. My goodness, that's awesome. So, billion-dollar agent we're talking to. So, congratulations. That's fantastic, Jeff.
1: Well, we had a lot of help. I mean, it's not just me personally. But I <laughs> right.
0: and, and Although you, I you were pretty strong there in the beginning to set those roots and uh, the foundation. Oh, and, I'm,
1: and I'm still in production. I think that's probably one of the things that's unique to our business is that I'm, I'm still doing – I've done 100 homes a year closed for the last 10 years personally. So, I still wow. keep that threshold going.
0: So you sold uh, approximately 100 homes last year while this machine, this, this company is growing?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't dropped below 100 in the last 10 or 11 years.
0: Congratulations. That is awesome. Why do you do that? Why do you stay in production?
1: Uh, two things. Number one, so I can stay sharp for my people and for our training and coaching. You know, we do a lot of training and coaching, not just internally, but for outside agents as well. Uh, and number two, because I need to lead. I'm a big believer in leading by example. Uh, in order, in order for, for me to be an attractive uh, brokerage to work for, um, I need to lead by example. And um, I would say number one is to stay sharp. Number two is to lead by example.
0: Let's do this. Let's, this team, that's grown quite a bit. So let's define it for people. Could you mm-hmm. give us a quick organizational chart of who's yeah. on the team? And we're looking for positions. How many people are in that yeah. position? What that position is yeah. responsible for?
1: Perfect. So we have about thirty uh, outside sales associates, and what we consider outside sales associates, most agents would consider those, you know, listing and buyers agents. They just do both. We don't. We don't have specialized departments. They. Do, everyone does both. So we got about thirty agents writing contracts. Um, I've got anywhere from seven to ten ISAs at any given time. Uh, so I would say, you know that that number normally never drops below seven or eight and usually we don't need more than ten so seven to ten isas at any given time uh we've got four showing agents and by the way i should specify our isas make outbound seller calls uh so they're they're making outbound seller calls um we've got four showing agents and our showing agents um show homes for our osas and myself of course we have uh, a team of six uh, in operations and two in the field for, I guess you could say a total of eight in operations. Um, and that's about it. So yeah, that should work out to about 55, 60 people. Very
0: nice. Look, if you don't mind going into a little more detail there, and in particular, when people are thinking about putting together a team or they already have a team going, one well, of the biggest questions they have is whether they're creating the proper compensation models. They're worried about attracting people without overpaying so that the operation doesn't make any money. They don't know where that balancing act is. Yeah. Could you help us with how you're compensating? Let's start with, say, your outside sales agent. Yeah.
1: So our outside sales associates, uh, we have essentially four splits, if you will. Um, and those splits range anywhere from um basically on the high end, 70% to the agent and on the low end, 40% to the agent. So, um, we also, you should note, of course, number one, our average sales price to this day is still only about 220,000. So I think, I think people get hung up on splits and they really have to take into consideration cost of living, average sales price, you know, cost of a lead and so forth. That, that varies by market. All right. So, um, our agents, uh, they're broken down into four categories. They get 40% on a company-generated seller. So we had to do some advertising or ISA, you know, set an appointment. They get 40% on a company-generated seller. They get 50% on a company-generated buyer, you know, a Zillow lead or something like that. Um, they get 60% on a self-generated seller. So they prospected. They held an open house. They door knocked. They they called their sphere of influence. They did something to generate business from their sphere. Seventy percent on a self-generated buyer. You know, so that would be, again, open house. Something they did to generate the business on their own. And um, you know, I, I should also note that we don't do any transaction management for our associates. You know. A lot of teams with doing 1,000 units, they'd have an administrative team of 12 to 15 people. Um, That's one of the ways we keep our operational costs down. And at the same time, I also think it's one of the reasons why our agents have a higher written to close business ratio than most teams because they're, they're involved in the inspection issues, appraisal issues, and so forth. Now, of course, you could also argue, well, that could be holding them back. And we do have a program for our agents once they get up to 50 units closed. If they wanted to hire an assistant, we help them with that. Wow. Now
0: that's really interesting. I was listening to you on the splits and some people may think that you're not paying a lot. I actually think you are paying more than I typically hear. Yeah. But you threw in this idea of transaction management where the agents are handling that their own transaction management. And now right. that makes sense why your compensation is where it's at. Yeah. So uh, it's Yeah, a, I it's usually
1: really get I wouldn't necessarily call it criticized, but I usually get kind of this puzzled look like you're you're paying a good amount why are you you offer a lot and you're paying a lot why are you paying so much and um again that's a big part of it our average sales price is lower than most and we're not offering transaction management as one of our services
0: yeah that makes it a little clearer at that point um, tell us about the inside sales agents how are you uh,
1: compensating them so the inside sales agents uh they Well, we just recently changed it. And we we had it one particular way for probably 10 years. Uh, So I'll I'll, I'll tell you what we changed it to and why we changed it. So uh, we changed it to a $1,000 base and $250 per listing taken. And then there's a listing taken bonus. Once they exceed five listings taken, they get a bonus of $100 per listing above and beyond five listings taken.
0: Is that so in a time period like per month or is that over month, the year? Per
1: or? month, sorry, yep, per month, okay. yep, yep. So um, we used to have it to where they got 2,000 a month and 10% of the commission when the transaction closed. And what we found is that, especially for a lot of these guys and gals that are in, the, in that role to, to become an OSA on the team, uh, they're not thinking about what's happening three months from now or six months from now. So I was excited about that. But when there's an immediate check from a listing taken, now it's not immediate. You know, they get paid every two weeks like any other employee. But there's an immediate impact from a listing taken. They're more excited and, and they put in more effort to take listings. And so we found that we pay more up front, of course. But on the back end, you know, we're not paying the same amount on the back end. And they're more excited because they're getting paid up front. They did their job. It's not their job to, ha- to sell the listing. And so, um, so far we made that change. Um, by the way, the old plan we had in place for, for eight or nine years, maybe 10 years. So we just made that change this year.
0: How about the, uh, and thank you for walking us down that, how about the showing agent? What's going on there with their compensation? So the
1: showing agents, uh, they get a company car, they get a gas allowance. Basically, they get a monthly value from the company of about $1,000. Um, you know, We give them money for their cell phones and stuff. So yeah, it works out to about $1,000 a month. We'll just call it a $1,000 base, even though it's, it's really a car plus a gas allowance, cell phone allowance. Um, and then they get 20% of the GCI from the transaction. And that's paid out of the agent's side which is another reason why we pay the agents more on buyers than we do sellers because we want to encourage them to use showing agents and to, in order to encourage them to use showing agents, there has to be enough revenue in order to pay a showing agent. Let's clarify that real quick. The 20% that's of the
0: total GCI that comes in before any splits. Correct. That's That's how it's calculated.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: But it's coming from the buyer agent side or your um,
1: your outside agent side So in other words, if they self-generate a buyer, the company is never getting less than 30, but they're going from a 70 down to, what is that, 50? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my math's bad. Right. They're going from a 70 down to 50 on, on on that transaction.
0: Which is still very healthy for them and it mm-hmm. gives them a
1: reason to leverage. Yes, where if they were at 50 across the board, it wouldn't work because then at, at 30%, you know, they're going to have this mindset of, I'll just work it myself or I'm not working with buyers or whatever. We're we're really, you got to have this fine balance of making it, making it profitable and a good ROI in their time.
0: For people on your team now. uh, So this comes to together. Give us an idea of what the uh, typical outside sales agent is earning on average, or maybe the low and high of their income that they can make.
1: Yeah. So uh, we put out a stat, I think it was last year or the year before and that was basically something to the effect of 80% of the agents that have been on our, on our team 24 months or more are making six figures. And that was kind of like a recruiting promotion we put out there. And um, it's, it's still probably pretty close to that. I mean, maybe it's dropped down to 70 as we've grown. But for the most part, 75% we'll call it of our agents are making at least 100 grand or more if they've been with us for at least two years or more.
0: And that makes um, sense. How about the inside sales agents? How are they
1: doing? Yeah, so the inside sales agents, um, you know, if you the on the old plan, they made a little bit more money, uh, you know, they had a higher base, but remember they had to get paid more so on the back end. Uh, so that that never really works out to more than two or three thousand a month. Still to this day, it's about two to three thousand a month, right? Because it's two fifty per listing taken plus their thousand dollars. And we expect them to take four or five listings a month from their efforts. So they're not usually in that role though for more than six months because the whole the ISA role is what is what we put agents through before they become OSAs. Aha, uh, and then the showing agents—what
0: is their compensation coming out to, you as far as income per month or per year?
1: So we've had a showing agent make a uh, hundred grand in a year. Um, that that happened one time, <laughs> uh, and that was in 2015. Um, since then, most of our showing agents make anywhere from say thirty-five thousand a year on the low end to seventy five thousand on the high
0: end one more question there you you made it sound like there's a hierarchy that that people would start as an let's say an inside sales agent for six months or so get trained and then they move into outside is that correct
1: that is correct yeah everyone who starts with our firm Uh, depending on their level of experience, we put them into an ISA program for a minimum of 30 days, a maximum of six months, depending on their experience and how much business they were already bringing in at their previous brokerage.
0: So you're going right back to your roots where everyone needs to be trained in sales and be a really good salesperson, have scripts and dialogues, know what to say, and then they can move out to to working more generically. Exactly. Very nice. Thank you for walking us through that. I really appreciate that. No problem, um, uh, let me ask you this You, you said that uh, in the old days, expired was a big part of your business and FISBOs, is that still a large percentage of your business
1: it is it's still our uh let's see it's still our number two this year might be number three but it's either our number two or number three source of business so yeah it's it's for years and years it was number one, uh, but then we got into mass marketing um, and and um, you know then we've we've really done a good job of getting business from our database the last three years so that's actually now our number one source it's always been really low on the list actually and now it's our number one source so uh the top three are database which is past clients through influence advertising which is mass advertising and internet leads and then number three would be prospecting which is your for sale by owners and your expires
0: i'm going to go down to number three first because that's where you you got your roots and you were doing really well and it's an area people want to know a little bit about and you have an expertise there so uh, let's talk about expireds for a minute. Uh, when you're talking to an expired and you want to get an appointment with them, give us a couple of pointers on what an agent should be doing, thinking about or saying.
1: Well, uh, number one, you know, they, 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 they always think that it was the market uh, or somebody else's fault why their home didn't sell. Uh, and that's usually because their agent is brainwashing, their previous agent is brainwashing them to believe that. So you have to, without putting the other agent down, you basically have to get them to be of the opinion that it truly is the individual agent's activities that get a home sold and not the market. So that way they're more open to hearing what you have to say, you know, to get your foot in the door. So uh, I always ask the question, um, you know let me, you know, basically, uh, depending on how the conversation's going, I'll usually throw out there, there's a reason why some agents sell more homes than others. Are you familiar with why that is? No, well, of course. Well, why is that? It's their individual activities. So I would venture to bet that there's something that we're doing differently than what you had before. And I can't make any promise or guarantee that I can sell your home, Uh, But what I can guarantee is that we're probably doing something differently and it might be worth just a few minutes of your time to at least hear what we're doing. So I get their mind wrapped around this idea that, that there's a reason why some agents sell more homes than others. And then there must be things that they do differently. Uh, And, and once I get some sort of confirmation or agreement on that, that's when I essentially can close for an appointment when I talk about, okay, well, here's what we are doing differently.
0: So, you create curiosity about the differentiation of why one agent excels above another, and yeah. then they want to hear about why.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Smart. Very smart. Thank you. And could you do a similar analysis on for sale by owners? How are you going to convince somebody who thinks they can sell their home on their own or save a commission yeah. so the key, that they should the,
1: be talking to you instead? The key with for sale by owners is having the conviction. Like, you have to believe down to your core that you can truly net them more in in the sale of their home. And net them more doesn't necessarily need to be sales price minus expenses, right? It can be time on market. Time is money. Uh, it can be resources that they would have to use, that they would have to go out and get on their own. It can be headaches. You know, my my whole thing with the for sale by owner is that I truly believe no matter what house it is, I'm gonna net them I'm gonna net them more time. I'm gonna net them more money. I'm going to net them more. And I have, and I, and agents have to have that conviction and that belief in order to succeed with for sale by owners. And the reason for that is because you have to look at it as for sale by owner. They're, they're a salesperson too. They think they can sell their home. They think they're just as good, if not better than you. So who usually wins when two salespeople are going head to head, the one with more conviction. So I have the conviction that I can net them more and save them time. And because of that, I, I don't, I don't, I'm in a position to succeed more with shop owners than most.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Uh, now let's talk about you said you're getting a lot of business now from repeating referrals from your past clients and sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, how big is that database of past clients and sphere of influence now?
1: So uh, our past client sphere of influence database is right around 7,000, 6,000 names, phone numbers, email addresses. Um, and, and it's not so much about the size of business, it's what we've changed to get a return on that. You know, even three years ago, there were still four or 5,000 people in the database. Uh, it's just, it wasn't a huge focus of ours. It wasn't an area where we were putting any attention towards it. And now that we are, it, it's our number one source of business. What changed? What did you do? What were you doing? And now what are you doing now? Yeah. So I would say two things changed. Number one, um, we developed a mission around customer service. Number one, we didn't have a mission before. The mission was just let's all make a lot of money together and have fun. Uh, that, that wasn't really well promoted. It was understood, but it wasn't like mission, right? So we developed a mission uh, and a mission statement around the customer experience. And the mission is living an unreal experience to deliver one. Uh, living an unreal experience to deliver one. And what we mean by that, uh, I've got my little – so now it's like part of our culture, Uh, live unreal, right? So our our agents are, are, you know, our whole idea is uh, you live in unreal life on this earth with your family, at the office, at home with your friends. So that way the experience with your clients is a better one. You know, our thought process is if you're happier, if you're more fulfilled, if you're enjoying life more, you're more likely to transcend that to your client's experience. And that leads to a better experience overall for everybody. So we created a mission around living unreal, living an unreal experience to deliver one, number one. And number two, we implemented a formula, which we didn't even know at the time was a formula. We call it a formula because it's a formula now. And it's something that we teach a lot of agents, you know, or something that we're teaching agents and, and, uh, will be actually the theme of our event in January coming up. And that is, it's called the four by two by one by 12. And, um, again, it's, it's, it's like a mix of, of, you know, there's so many formulas out there, right? You hear 33 touch, you know, 10 days of this, 11 days of that. Um, we didn't even know it was going to be a successful formula until we implemented it. And now, you know, a couple years later, it's our number one source of business, which equates to about 350 to 400 transactions a year, where three years ago, we were doing less than 100 transactions a year from our database.
0: Tell me, tell me the name of that formula
1: again. The four by, by two by one by 12. And I'll yeah, just give you. that's what I got.
0: Yeah, tell me what that means.
1: Yeah, so it means, uh, and it would take an hour to go through everyone in detail, but right, I'll give, give you Just give us the overview. An yep, yep. So it's four pieces of regular mail. So four pieces of mail, one per quarter. Two phone calls where we add value to the client. We don't ask for business. One client event where we add value to the client. And 12 digital newsletters. And we we think in terms of infotainment, information that's entertaining and it's customized. So it's not like, you know, set your clocks back. I mean, we're not sending out the same stuff that everyone else is sending out. We're personalizing it to us and our business.
0: Fantastic. Jeff, this this has been great. And thank you for for opening that up for us. Uh, A couple more quick questions. Now, people have been listening. you got all these people running around now. 50 people and you've got some new expenses and things seem a little wild and crazy. And so the question people might have is, are you profitable?
1: Yeah. So uh, yes, and then no, and then yes, and then no, and then yes. So we've gone through, it's interesting, as the business has grown, um, the size of the business and the GCI has gotten bigger, but the profit percentages have shrunk. And so we're now at a point where we're looking at bringing that back up, while still growing the GCI. So I think it's probably something that a lot of businesses grow, go through during their growth phase. Um, we got, you know, four or five years ago, I was at 35% profit margin, which was great on, on a business that was generating a couple million dollars in GCI. But then we hit five, six million in GCI and that, that went as low as 10%. And so our goal for this year is to end up somewhere around 20%. And, and we never want to drop below 20 again. And so we'll probably end up 17, 18% this year and, and, and try to get to 20 next year and just keep it there.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That gives people some targets. I appreciate that.
1: Oh Uh, yeah. Don't hey You you can't get discouraged when you're, when you're looking up and seeing some of your agents netting more money than you are during the (laughs) years, as long as that doesn't last more than a couple of years, because obviously you've got to sustain the business so that way they can continue to make money too. And it's worth it because you're putting in probably twice the time as anybody else in, in, in the business. Jeff, what drives you? Honestly, the biggest thing for me is I can't, there's one thing I can't stand about this industry. And that is that nobody tells agents the truth about what it takes to succeed in this business. I mean, there's very few people that actually tell them the truth. And part of that is the brokerage business is set up to where, Let's do everything we can to keep them plugged in, keep them happy, keep them feeling good. Uh, so that way we don't lose agents. And the reality is, is I, I am passionate about telling agents the truth about what they need to do to succeed. And, and, and I'm not going to stop until, you know, I'm not talking to thousands. I'm, I'm talking to everyone about what it takes to succeed in this business. So I would say that that's the number one thing that drives me.
0: Jeff, if you were going to advise a brand new agent who's just getting in the business, what would you tell them to
1: do first? Oh, without question, uh, you you have to master the scripts. And even in this day, 2019, all right, you've probably read a book or two or gone to a half day or a seminar where somebody said, master your scripts, master your scripts. I'll, I'll tell the story about when I first got in the business, I was 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. My broker said, I went to my broker's office and I know I've had success selling furniture, uh, but how am I going to convince these people to list a house with me when number one, I look like a baby and number two, I don't even own a home myself. And he said, Jeff, you just have to sound like you've been doing it for a long time. That was his advice. So uh, his name was Tim Riley. I said, okay, Tim, how do I do that? Well, you have to master the scripts better than anyone else in the office. So I was the weirdo that was holding the script, book, you know, and, and chanting them aloud and chanting them into a mirror and trying to find agents in the office that would role play with me, which by the way, most of them wouldn't cause they all thought I was weird for doing it. And, um, you know, I was nervous that, that I would get the question, how long you've been doing this? Or, uh, you know, gee, how old are you? So I'd never, my biggest fear was being asked those two questions. And so the answer I got was just sound like you've been doing it for a long time, Jeff, which that translated to mastering the scripts. Very
0: good. Excellent advice. Well, Jeff, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners?
1: No, I, ju- I would just say you know number one I appreciate obviously you doing this and um, I think that uh, what I love about your organization is and it's and it's a big belief of mine and that is exposure. Anytime you can get out of your box and expose yourself to people that are doing. Uh, diff things differently or people that are doing amazing things at a big level, you're going to stretch your mind. And once your mind is stretched, it'll never go back. And that's, I mean, that's really one of the reasons why we created Glover U, which is essentially the training and coaching arm. We want to be able to expose people to things that we're doing that they wouldn't necessarily get from their current brokerage. And, and I love that about you guys as well. Thank you,
0: Jeff. And Jeff, if somebody wants to learn more about your training, where should they go to learn more?
1: Uh, I would recommend uh, going to GloverU.com. G-L-O-V-E-R and the letter U.com or find us on Facebook at Gloveru. i I'm putting out content at least once or twice a week because that's what I'm doing with our team here, right? So I'm just bringing what I'm giving to our team back to back.
0: Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Success Calls. Keep moving forward. Bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment.